Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment on The Watchman on the wall is for the objective truth. And as The Watchman on the wall, we will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension, attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We will always call out the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imagination. And we do that by expounding on the underreported facts. Today, we're going to be getting to those underreported facts with Annette Baker. Annette Baker is an environmental science expert. She's also a homeschool teacher. She's also a former region chairwoman of the Berks County Republican Committee. And she's also a Senate candidate, the Republican candidate, against Marxist Democrat Judy Schwenk. And I believe we have listeners from Judy Schwenk tuning in, so we want to say hello to them today. Anybody who's listening on behalf of Judy Schwenk to try to to try to try glean some comments that Annette is making. Annette is happy to have you. Uh, well, you can actually have a debate with Judy Schwenk anytime you'd like, maybe even on this show if you'd like. So anyway, we welcome our listeners, especially those from Judy Schwenk, and her campaign, because, you know, after all, Judy Schwenk may end up, I think, she may end up voting for Annette herself, because she's going to realize Annette's a much better candidate. So, and I think her her supporters <laughs> are going to realize that as well. So we want to thank them for tuning in, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in as we get to this show today, and welcome to Annette. Hello, Annette. Hi, Clay. Thanks so much for having me back on. Well, we're happy to have you now that, especially now that we know that your political opposition is tuning into us. So let's uh, let's help them unpack the Department of Education and Common Core. I think these are these are things I'd love to have a discussion with Judy Swank on myself. I'm sure you would as a candidate against her. Uh, I mean, wasn't it Joe Biden and the Democrats that gave us the Department of Education, Annette? Yes, the Democrats. Yeah, that's that's definitely their baby. Now, now they gave us the Department of Education because they, because we were like fifth on planet Earth in reading and math proficiencies back in the seventies, and they thought, well, we can do so much better than fifth, so let's create a government department for education. So they gave us the Department of Education, and now we've tumbled and fallen into the black abyss to thirty-fifth on planet Earth. It's math proficiencies and reading proficiencies. Am I right on that, Annette? Yes, that is correct. So basically, we have definitely we're, not improved. Not improved. We've gotten much worse thanks to the Democrats. And uh, Judy Swank's part of that element. I mean, we're seeing a lot of these Democrats who are part of that element, and she's no different. She votes with the governor every chance she gets, um, our very unpopular governor right now. And she's with him at every turn. So Let's just cut the comedy. The Democrats want big government. The Democrats gave us the Department of Education. Joe Biden voted for it when he was in Congress. He gave it to us. And quite honestly, uh, since the Department of Education, uh, you know, we, we've had a we've had a tumbling, if you will, or a falling out of math and reading proficiency. So what happened was Joe Biden and the Democrats, after we've been falling out of math and reading proficiencies, they, they decided that they would have to initiate some sort of a, I want to say, uh, testing, some sort of a testing, uh, you know, probability, if you will, with the children. They, they wanted to they wanted to basically go into testing to test the kids more 
and they wanted to get into Common Core. They ushered in Common Core, but they, they kind of did this. They kind of staggered this in. It was a program that kind of came in through the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. It just kind of gradually get, became worse and worse to where it is today. And I think what's really interesting on Common Core, and I, I want our listeners to understand what Common Core is, it's, I call it, I call it spaghetti math. Annette, what are your thoughts on Common Core? I mean, what, what are your thoughts as an educator? Because you are an educator. Oh, I would, I would agree with you. Uh, there was a study that came out, um, I think it was about a month ago now, maybe, that uh, has shown that we actually have continued to slide uh, even dr- more dramatically than what we thought, test scores, that is, um, of, of kids that uh, had um, continued to, to the downward slide. Um, a common Core is, is showing itself to be an epic failure. And that's why I believe we need to take a look at revamping the Common Core system. Um, and my idea of revamping is get rid of it, <laughs> go <laughs> back right. to the things that work. That's um, right. Obviously, it's it's not something that's working for our kids. Well, and let, let's break it down because I I you know I was on a school board and I I actually had a discussion with a the head of curriculum in the school district and the superintendent at the time. And I asked this educator how they multiplied fractions and how they're teaching children to multiply fractions. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because after we're done with this, Judy Schwank, I think this is one notch in your corner for Judy Schwank wanting to vote for Annette Baker for Senate. Okay? Because she's going to realize how wrong she's been and she's going to realize how incompetent she is and she's going to want to give you the job. So here we are. We're looking at this right now with Common Core. What's interesting about Common Core is the way they teach multiplying fractions. Now, in standard math, you multiply numerators and denominators, and you basically handle it from there, and you reduce the fraction. You get you get your you get your answer. But with Common Core math, when you want to multiply two thirds by say three quarters, and you multiply two thirds times three quarters, first thing you do with Common Core is you draw a square and you divide the square into three columns. You'll shade two, two of the columns, thus representing two-thirds of the area of the square. Then the square is divided into four rows, with three of the rows shaded. This is three-quarters of the area of the square. Where the two shaded areas intersect represents three-quarters of the two-thirds of the square. So the intersection of the two then yields 12 little boxes, of which six little boxes are shaded out of the total. This is one half of the whole square. See, the thinking behind having students draw the pictures is supposedly to drill the understanding of what is happening with the fraction multiplication. That's the twisted fifth dimensional thinking, folks. What's really happening is they're detaching people from math. They're they're literally kids are not becoming proficient in math. It's just too much to think about. So instead of a child going through the rote learning end of math, you know, multiplying of fractions, and then the better students actually having a better understanding of of the, you know, of the of the philosophy, if you will, of why this happens, you know, the, the breakdown is the, the the mathematical structure, if you will, of why this works. Instead of that happening, they try to force this on every kid. Now Common Core has literally, as as Annette said, dummy down math proficiencies to to levels unbelievable. 
But now with reading, it's even it's it's just as bad because the way they teach reading, it's unbelievable. OK, they don't teach reading anymore the way we learned to handle words and read and sound out and whatnot. They, they don't do it like that. Common Core, the reading is that they use pictographs and symbols and things like that. It's, it's kind of a weird way of teaching reading. So what happened was, again, we went from top five in the world to top 35. I think it's like 38th in reading or something. But what really happens is, and this is a byproduct, that this is why I believe this whole thing is like really a, a, like an evil very diabolical way of, of, of getting a hold of our education system because they've literally created a generation of kids that really cannot read proficiently and they become adults and they become work in the workplace. They simply cannot compete with those that can read proficiently and that can solve problems proficiently because they don't know math and reading. I mean, Annette, I mean, reading math, I mean, Annette, uh, what can you say on that? Annette? I mean, how, what are some changes you would make to education to uh, in the state of Pennsylvania to to help raise academic standards? Is it is it better testing? Is that what it is? Or maybe or is the answer to, to just simply get rid of the ineffective way we're teaching kids? Well, I think one of the biggest problems that I've seen is the idea that we teach to a test. We don't teach critical thinking skills. Um, kids are not necessarily reading uh, a lot of literature anymore that helps them, again, with critical thinking skills. Um, you mentioned multiplication. Multiplication is a huge area that I would suggest going back to, to memorizing the times tables. Right. Um, my son, who is homeschooled, uh, all of his friends that are in public school use a calculator, um, and they, they do their multiplication that way. He actually can multiply double and triple digits in his head now um, because he learned his multiplication tables. And I think that makes it makes more sense to teach kids um, the multiplication tables so that they can memorize them with the idea that once they have the basics, they can then expand on those basics. And I think that's what the problem is, is that when you look at the common core, as you mentioned, there's I've seen examples where there are 27 or 28 steps to get the same answer that you can get by adding two three-digit numbers um, with a very short answer. Uh, it, it just is incredible to look at, at how they've tried to, quote-unquote, simplify and make it, you know, everyone learning it the same way. It actually makes it far more complicated. So as a result of that, kids just aren't learning it, right? Correct. All right. Yeah, and, there's, guess, there's, and, and with COVID, with these gaps in, in, their, in their education, and this is something that has not been really talked about at this point, is the fact that with all of this time off, um, there's a lot of these kids that are going to suffer from gaps in their education that are going to have to be made up. Um, well, there's we'll there's things that... Judy Schwenk will just keep them in until the kids are like 20, I think, right? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, some people have said that they're, you know, they may have to take the first six months of, six months of the new school year. And who knows when that's going to be now, because they're talking about delaying the start of school even longer. 
they're talking about taking the first three to six months as a review. Well, at that point, traditionally, you, you spend the first two or three months um, kind of touching on the things that you learned the year before and building on what they're going to be introducing that, that same year later on. And unfortunately, they are not going to be able to fit all the information in. So we're going to have kids that are going to be struggling and particularly younger kids, um, kids that did not have access or the ability to do school online. Um, what's going to happen with those kids? If well, they're not able to do school online now, what, what's going to happen in the fall if they go to predominantly cyber schooling to reduce the, the class sizes? And they don't have access to, to cyber schooling. Their parents can't um, well, maintain that. You're going to have kids that are going to be up behind by a year or more. Um, so this is, this is becoming a very dire situation for our kids that are in, you know, the traditional public school setting um, and have parents. How are those parents going to function uh, with trying to get back to work, trying to rebuild, help rebuild the economy? when they have their kids at home who need to be supervised and educated, not to mention the kids with special needs who really need that individualized attention um, and, and group learning that they need, that they experience when they're in a group of other kids in school. Well, um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation. Well, it's a, it's a situation, a difficult situation that the Democrats want to exasperate and make worse. And I'm saying that, and I want our listeners that are Democrats to understand that it's okay if you want to be a Republican, because quite frankly, the Democrats who claim the mantle of education and public education are the same Democrats that want to keep kids at home when they understand, because they're so understanding, of course. These are Democrats that are just so super understanding and they're so smart. And they understand that that children, uh, they, they, they do fall behind because after they've taken a few months off for summer, they always come back behind anyway. They got to catch up again. So the first quarter, if you will, of a school year is always the catch up from the previous year. A lot of it is, especially in the younger uh, kids and, you know, the, the elementary and so forth. So, you know, the, these kids are going to fall behind somewhat. Well, now these kids haven't been in school since early March. And now they want to keep them out for the rest of the year. And quite frankly, folks, I would tell you this. Only bad will come out of this. So the Democrats who claim to be the party of education are the same people that want to make it so that your children suffer for this. And anyone who has a child in school needs to understand, you will not get a, another chance at an education for your child. Once your child ages themselves out of school age, they will then be out of school. Okay, this is what happens as these kids get older and they just don't, many of them just don't end up going back to school. So losing this this is ground, this is ground that they will never, ever be able to retain, regain. Some of these kids will never regain this lost ground. And this is what I want our Democrat listeners to understand, that the Democrats in Harrisburg and across this country who claim to be the carrying the mantle of public education are now looking to use this COVID as a weapon, if you will, a political weapon to create some sort of a... a, a you know, a difficulty for parents, but there, this is also the casualty on this is really the kids because the kids get one crack at a good education. 
So I hold the Democrats purely responsible for this. But I do want to I want Nanette and I to have this conversation about what happened with Common Core. Now, we just broke down a little bit on how the academics are actually presented. The curriculum is actually delivered. But I do want to talk about what happened. See, the the teachers, OK, the public unions, if you will, uh, have be, uh, they are a voting block. They are a voting block. They're a lobbyist group, but they're also a voting block. So the in their infinite wisdom, the Democrats wanted to strengthen their voting block. So what they did was they changed the well. They first off brought in the Department of Education, and when the and when we saw academics completely fall down because they wanted to centralize education from Washington, not from the local school districts, which is what we had prior to the Department of Education. They claimed that we needed more uniformity around the country. We needed better, better. Coordination of, of of the of the of the of the education delivery methods and so forth, the curriculum itself. That's what they claim. They brought in the Department of Education. We can we saw a complete collapse of academic results. And so then the people that gave us that collapse, the people that gave us the bad idea of the bureaucratic system known as the Department of Education, which costs which has an incredible cost of of, of uh, overhead, eighty percent of the cost that goes into funding the Department of Education, goes into overhead. But anyway, those people that gave us that bad idea are now presenting us another bad idea as a solution for the academic woes that they brought us from the bad idea they gave us to begin with. Okay? And that was Common Core. Now, the, the Common Core, what's interesting on Common Core, again, the reason, the methodology, the, uh, the reason they did this was the Democrats wanted to add teachers, add union members, add political strength to their voting block. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in the public school system, when I was a school, when I was in school and Annette was in school, used to have one teacher in a classroom that would teach the, the children. And of course, they prepared all the tests and they prepared all the whatever. They, they just ran the school. They just ran the classroom. They ran it from stem to stern. They taught the curriculum. But now with Common Core, because there's so much paperwork and there's so much in standardized testing, there's so much in testing and results and monitoring and everything else, that they had to add helpers. They actually had to bring in more people to do the job. So the bureaucratic answer to solving for the problems that Common Core gave us was to hire more teachers. You see how that worked? Their plan all along was to add to the overhead all along it was to add to the overhead and that it was that that was their plan all along and they succeeded in that because of the teacher helpers they're going to bring in these people to assist with the paperwork and the processing of all this information in that i mean do you see that as well i mean that the, that they they wanted to strengthen their bureaucratic hold on on elected bureaucrats yeah, it's it's interesting. I I remember like you do. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh we had a principal. Um, I don't even think we had a vice principal. <laughs> and now I grew up in a pretty small town, but it was, you know, it's it's amazing now to see how much administration goes into overseeing everything that needs to be done in in the public school system. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of um a lot of people have commented that over 95% of, of some of the school budgets that I've looked at, over 95% of the budgets encompass 
teacher salary, pension, and uh, administrative costs. So that leaves between five and seven percent um, that that goes to actually running the school, um, providing busing, providing the cafeteria food, that kind of thing. So it's it's amazing how much how top heavy it seems that a lot of these school districts are. And you know, with again, it goes back to teaching to a test. It, it really puts a lot of pressure on teachers, which I think is unfair. Um, because a lot of students just do not test well. And that is something that is not really factored in to this whole equation. You have students that struggle with standardized testing. Um, they may not perform well on testing, but they do well in the classroom. Maybe they're an auditory learner or they're a visual learner, and it's hard for them to be able to uh, translate some of that into the written word or even into um, comprehension on a computer especially kids that have special needs, um, those things can be can be very difficult for them to take those tests. So that's something that, you know, obviously with, um, you know, expanding the, the number of, of staff, that can really get out of hand very quickly, it seems. Um, and, you know, what you were talking about with having a standardized curriculum, that is a complete misnomer. Um, it's not standardized. There are certain uh, benchmarks that they have and certain guidelines that have to be followed, but how they get there can be very different um, it, between school districts even, not necessarily, not just between states. So I think that's something that, uh, and it, it's, it's definitely not state-driven. I've seen a presentation where um, the uh, the presenter actually proved that it was actually put together by the federal government dished out to the states and said, basically slap your name on it, say that it was developed by you guys. You can pull some of the resources together and, and call it, you know, that you created it, but it was actually created by, uh, in large part, by the Department of Education, which is not their job. They are not supposed to be dictating from the federal level what the states teach. And that, that again, is another issue with Common Core that some states have started pulling back. I believe it's in Florida. They actually have ditched the Common Core. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Florida is run method. by Republicans. Is it Florida run by Republicans, Jeanette? I do believe you're correct, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, you know, it, and it's amazing because you you look at their test scores; they're rising. That's right. And that is that is another indicator that when you go back uh, and you stop teaching to a test. That's right. That is the one thing that I told my kids. Um, because when we looked at Common Core, uh, minimum, you know, the, what everyone is supposed to learn in Common Core, we realized that, that in our homeschool program that we follow because our kids, um, my two youngest especially have decided that they want to graduate with honors. Um, they, they made a, a choice to go well above what Common Core minimums are. They read far more classics and far more literature than Kids that are in, um, in in general education classes in the high schools now. Advanced courses are probably on par, but it's it's interesting because they actually proposed in the Common Core curriculum for English to move away from teaching classics and moving more toward you know reading in, in technical journals and things like that, um, which just to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
the classics for me was I loved them because they they actually stretch your your imagination and challenge you. But 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 but, but I want to I want to highlight our reading and because we got about six minutes to go in this and I want to basically highlight on what has happened to our reading proficiency and and what are the byproducts. Now I don't think this was the plan of the Democrats. So let me just go on record. I don't believe the Democrats planned to 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 completely dummy down the American public. Okay. But no, I think it's, it's, a, it's the, a, the the road of you know. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. They yeah. had good intentions, I think, but I think I think they had intentions. I think they had what they thought were good intentions, but they they see government, big government, as a good thing. You and I see it as an intrusive thing. So philosophically, there's a huge difference there. But one thing is for sure with education and reading, this is what has occurred: a byproduct of kids not learning how to read is they don't have the confidence in what they read. They don't have the confidence in understanding a written text of anything, really. They really don't even have the confidence of understanding what they're being told sometimes. Now, they're hearing something audibly, but they're still not having the ability because they're not good readers or proficient readers, is they're really unable to to have the confidence that what they're hearing is disseminated correctly in their head and they've come up with the right conclusion. So someone that is a proficient reader will always have a big advantage over someone that's not. Folks, this is a reality. This is a reality in the world we live in. It's a sinful world, a fallen world, and we have bad people out there who take advantage of people based on their inability to read and understand audibly what is being said to them, direction. So what happens is people can be convinced when they hear something that it's not really what they think they heard, but it's something else. They can be convinced when they read something that there's something in the text that they didn't see. A person with nefarious ends can take, can twist the notion into these, into people who are not proficient readers, can twist a, a corrupt notion, a wrongful idea in their head. So you can politically maximize on this. And this is what, Annette, you and I talk about this a lot is how we have created a society to where they're seeing something that isn't there, okay? And so when you're watching the the propaganda media out there reporting on peaceful protests in Seattle and in Minneapolis and the police precincts are burning in back of them, well, the, the, the person listening to the reporter say this is mostly peaceful is watching the optic behind the person of the building burning. So what they're seeing does not correspond and correlate with what they're hearing. And because they're not proficient in reading and math understanding, they sometimes may fall victim to trusting the person that's delivering them that news. Hence, that person has now shaped an opinion, not based on the intelligentsia of a person listening, but based upon their lack of. And all of this is a product of a lousy education. And it's really sad. And it's really tragic, and I believe it's evil. I do believe that element is evil. I think somebody manipulating someone in a, in a fashion of like, you know, basically convincing them because they're better readers and better educated, that they're convincing them, they're taking someone that's not confident in their reading and math skills, that something that they're seeing with their own eyes isn't exactly what they see, that there's something else there. 
and, or something they're reading is is not that there's something in the text that they missed. I mean, Annette, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have to agree with you totally. I, uh, as you were speaking, it, it brought to mind um, a book that my son and I have been reading through um, for school. It's uh, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, and in in the book, um, I won't give the whole thing away, but there's a section of the book where it talks about the role of a firefighter. And in the book, Bradbury actually swaps out the role of a firefighter from being someone who fights fires to someone who starts fires, particularly because they books were considered uh, evil. They needed to be burned. Um, and whenever someone was found with a book, the books were, were thrown into a pile and burned. And at one point in the story, they, he actually, the main character actually meets a woman who says, is it true that in Benjamin Franklin's time that firefighters actually put fires out instead of starting fires? And it was at that point that you realize that there was a twist in the story itself. And it was something that um, I, my son and I discussed, and, and you're completely correct. You know, if you don't understand the context, if you don't understand the complexities, it's very easy for people to begin to mislead and to intentionally change the narrative, change your paradigm of what you see, what you believe, because you don't have all the information. That's part of the reason that I'm such an advocate for people to read the Pennsylvania Constitution, this, the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, know what those documents mean. Know what your rights are, because it's imperative that we we not lose them. And the only well, way we're going to know that is if we read the documents for ourselves and and we're able to to decipher what they mean. Well, we got we got we got to leave it there, Annette. We are out of time. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you tuning into our show today, The Watchman. We think it was a very well unpacked show. And when Annette and I unpack something, I believe as Annette does that we've sufficiently unpacked it, so no un no further unpacking is needed. We've done a great job with that today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week on The Watchmen. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now. <laughs>